So good to see everyone this morning on this beautiful day. We get to say that most every Lord's Day morning. It's a beautiful day. Uh, not only is there sunshine in the skies, as the older hymn goes, there's sunshine in our soul. And the singing that we just engaged in, uh, it's beautiful because it's, as I look out to the family here of hearts that are committed to the Lord, that love God, that made it a point to be here with their family, and that's always encouragement. Never underestimate the power of your presence. It's encouraging your voice when we sing, just talking with each other afterwards. In this world where we need each other now more than ever, it's, it's a blessing. And many of us are dealing with things that no one else knows about, challenges, difficulties, pains, heartaches. But when we just gather, put it, <laughs> bring it together, I should say, to be here, uh, we leave always feeling better Amen. in a genuine sense because we're encouraged in the Lord. And hopefully the rest of our time will be centered around things that are, that are truly uh, encouraging. Uh, we'll continue the second half of the lesson they started last week, uh, talking about baptism and new birth. This is simply part two, living the basics. And today we'll look at the power and future. We'll look at those two things together, the power and future of biblical baptism. These connect to the, the larger theme of new birth. We've experienced something in coming to Christ and being baptized in His name, that will never be matched by anything in this life. Not our physical birthday, not our retirement, not any accolades we might receive at work or awards or plaques. Nothing will ever, ever take the place uh, of what happened when God worked on our lives through His Son, Jesus Christ, to allow us to be born again. And to have the greatest redo uh, that you could ever imagine, that is being the, given the ability to start all over again, despite being dead in our sins and being now raised to walk in newness of life. This is a wonderful transformation, and words can't capture it uh, from just us in English trying to convey it, but we can go back to Scripture and see the words of Scripture and to see what Jesus and Paul tell us about our life, and we're going to do that today as we talk about baptism and what took place in our lives or what does take place when someone's baptized. I want you to just consider for a moment, I like doing this in my class a lot, just to kind of get them thinking a little bit, and I'll kind of look for responses you might think of. I'll give you a couple to kind of make you think of, of things that involve you that we have to do from time to time, but we never take credit for doing. Um, uh, if you've ever had LASIK eye surgery or you've ever had any eye procedure, uh, I hope your eye or your vision, your eyes or your vision has been corrected. Uh, but think about the whole process of going to a, an eye specialist. Uh, you don't do anything if you're having your eyes worked on. Uh, you don't dare grab an instrument <laughs> You don't dare tell the physician, here, let me do this. You allow yourself to be in that position of simply laying back, and uh, sometimes it's a motorized table. They'll put you back, and you allow yourself to be worked on. In fact, you know that I don't want to do any work myself other than be here and have the work done on me. Also, uh, going to the dentist. Uh, last year, I went to the dentist multiple times, had saved up some money to get a lot of crown work done. Found out 
They had to have a root canal on one and just a lot done. But there was never a time over that period of years, multiple checkups, where I ever got off the the, the, the table they put me on or the, the large elongated seat. I was always just there, and the most I was doing was trying to have my mouth open. <laughs> and uh, they were in there working on that, but I never thought this is something I'm doing. Every moment, it was something that someone else is doing to me, but I'm experiencing the benefit. Um, can anyone think of any other situations like that? Those are just common things where we're part of it, but we don't get any credit for it. I think going to the dentist, uh, going to get any eye work done, especially LASIK work where they're using lasers in our eye. Any other situations you can think of? I've got a couple more written down here. Where we are simply the recipient, we find ourselves and put ourselves in the right place, but someone else is doing the work. Could be a doctor. Carter? That's for my physical thing, but when I leave my car with the, the, the uh, mechanic, fix my car and I need my car in order to you know, do things that I do and go to work and so on and so forth. I need to be sad because I'm that mechanically inclined. Yeah. Same thing with my, when I go to have my telephone fixed at the AT&T place. I don't have any idea what they're doing. All I know is like, it's not working, can you fix it? And there and next thing you know, five minutes later, it's fixed. Yeah, we, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Now, Barbara might think, with a mechanic, I might want to start going in there. Uh, but, uh, experience. but generally, that's true. Uh, we don't know. I don't know enough, and I love cars. And I put it in my mechanic's hands. I get the bill later. But I trust that that shop and the mechanics, the technicians working on it, know what they're doing, and I don't try to grab a tool. They never invite me to either, but I don't try to grab a tool and say, let me get in there so I can feel like I'm participating in the repair. We don't do that. Um, think about if you got vaccinated these last couple years. I've got my fourth vaccination, my booster the other day. Amazing, I just go there to Kaiser and they have a whole operation there at South City. I get in line and my car, I got the flu shot and the booster shot at the same time. And, and with the booster shot, they take in. I didn't even, I don't even question the vial. Uh, I don't know that they're putting anything in me. Uh, it could be a placebo, but I put my hands in their hands and trust they're giving me the right vaccination. They're doing it properly, not too much, not too little, um, but I'm simply sitting there. I don't try to help the nurse and say, hey, let, me, let me stick it in properly because I think I need to be part of this. I understand there's simply, as you understand, there's places where we are heavily involved. We're there. But someone else is doing the work. That's exactly what is happening in baptism. And this morning I want to talk about baptism in three ways. The first way is this. Baptism is the place of God's work. There's some religious thoughts that say, well, you don't really need to be baptized because we're not saved by works or things we've done. And well, you're doing something at baptism, so you can't be saved at baptism. You're simply saved at the point of belief. Some will contend. Well, that might sound right initially, but as you look at Scripture and see what's said about baptism, not only does it parallel the very situations we've just talked about, that is, we are at the right place where someone else is doing the work and we put faith in their work. It's exactly true with baptism and what it says. I just want to consider some familiar texts. We'll look at um, Acts 22, verse 16, and 1 Peter 3, 21 in just a minute. But first of all, we're told right off the bat, when Peter preached the first sermon, Acts 2, 38, right after some who had participated in the death of Christ, they said, what shall we do? 
Peter responds, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. They are simply told to do the thing that will secure their forgiveness. But he already preached about the great physician, which is Jesus Christ. They just realized they had killed him. They had killed their doctor. And, but the doctor still worked because he was risen uh, back to life three days later, never to die again. So they could come to him, and in baptism, they would find their sins forgiven or taken into remission. Look at Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Here the apostle Paul is recounting his own conversion experience. He's recounting in front of a Jewish crowd, here's exactly what I experienced in my life. And he's talking about what is recorded in Acts chapter 9. But he talks about what was said to him by a man that the Lord had sent directly to him in Acts chapter 9 to teach him about the way of Christ and to bring about his conversion. He's talking about what that man Ananias said to him. We'll pick up at verse 14 of Acts 22, but look at what is said. Uh, here Paul is recounting what's said to him. He says, Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Verse 16 now. Here's what was said to Paul. And now what are you waiting for? Get up and be what? Baptized. And wash your sins away. Calling on his name. We are told so much about baptism in this short singular verse. Paul himself sang it, and Paul is an apostle of Christ, handpicked by Jesus himself, the writer of 13 uh, biblical books in the New Testament. He knows what the Lord's thinking and what the Lord's instruction is about baptism. And he says, here's what was told me. First of all, I got to get up. That means I got to go to the place where God's going to do his work. Get up, be baptized. And then the reason why is what? Verse 16. Because he was already saved or his sins were already forgiven? No. Arise and be baptized, wash your sins away. His sins were not forgiven when he was convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. That was just the next step. He was already convinced, but he's told he needs to be baptized because that's where sins would be washed away. And then he recounts that he was told, calling on his name. Just a reminder that Jesus Christ is the source of salvation. When we call on the name of Jesus at baptism, we're calling upon his power, his work to be done in our life. Just as we go to the dentist, the dentist does the work, we're where we should be. If someone has open heart surgery, you don't take your own ribs and crack them. You go to the place where the physician will do the work, even a simple vaccination. You don't grab the needle or the vial off the table. You allow that to be done to you. We know how that works, and we're told here that's what, exactly what's happening in baptism. And we're saved at that point. First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 21. Peter echoes the same thought of, as Paul. Uh, verse 21, just to pick up mid-thought with Peter. He says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as Paul 
put out the thought that his sins were washed away at baptism. Peter says it even more clearly. He says baptism also now saves you. But he doesn't entertain the thought that you've earned something or, wow, you just did a great job walking over to the place where the water was and you did a great job walking into the water. That thought is never entertained. He says here, it saves us not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By his death and resurrection, baptism has its power. If it wasn't for Jesus' death and resurrection and us having faith in it, baptism means absolutely nothing. We have to have confidence in what God is doing. And that's why you don't see babies being baptized. That's why in Scripture you don't see little children being baptized because they can't have their necessary part. But once someone understands what Jesus has done for them, they understand that the power resides in God the Father and what He's doing through Jesus, then baptism becomes the most important place to be in the world. Because your faith connects with your submissiveness to go to where God says to go, and then He does His work in your life. Baptism is a place where we put faith not in our work, but we put faith in God's work. Look how that's clarified um, again in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Again, we're going to kind of jump in mid-sentence just to kind of validate this point. Um, verse 12 of Colossians 2, Paul says, Having been buried with him in what? Baptism. Buried with him in baptism, it's when, uh, I'm sorry, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in what? The working of God. Let me just read that again. Having been bar buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. We have a part. Our part is faith. Just like we have faith to go to the doctor, to either have open heart surgery or to get a simple vaccine. Or as Ricardo said, we, go, we have faith in our mechanic to repair uh, the car as long as we're going to one that we trust. Or we go to the dentist to have drills and all kinds of work done where if, we, if they weren't doing what we trust them to do, we would be in extreme pain. We just transport that thinking to faith in God and His work when we're baptized, we're simply, if you will, putting ourselves in the chair when we're baptized. But that chair is unlike any other chair. We're going to see next that baptism is a place where we go to die. First of all, we're going to the place where God does His work. We're not going where we do our work of any kind. We're just going to the place where God does His work. But it's also a place where we go to die. The rest of our time this morning will be in the book of Romans. We're going to look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Well, here Paul talks to people that have already been baptized. And most of Scripture that talks about baptism, at least at length, is talking about it to people that have already been baptized because... Baptism is not something where we're just told what to do and then we're baptized and then we never hear about it again. The apostles in the writing of the New Testament are always referring back to baptism. Paul did it in Colossians 2. Peter did it in 1 Peter 3. 
referring people back to when they're baptized because it affects how they're living right now. And one of the central thoughts is that when we were baptized, not only were our sins forgiven, but part of us died. The part that needed to die. Let's see how that works itself out. Romans chapter 6. I want to start reading as you either listen with your ears or you're looking at the text or looking at the screen and scripture coming. Notice how much the word died or dead or put to death, crucified. How many references there are to death and the connection to baptism? Initially, you might think, well, death, oh man, that's kind of a, a gruesome thought to think of or that's a morbid thought. There's a healthy morbidity. <laughs> There's part of us that needed to die at baptism. We're going to see what part that is. Let's just begin reading verse 1, chapter 6. Again, Paul's talking to Christians already, but they think it's okay to keep on sinning, even though they've been baptized and not care about it. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Verse 2, by no means. We are those who have, what? Died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let's just pause here for a moment. Notice the references that connect death to baptism. Verse 2, it says we've died to sin. Verse 3, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Verse 4, we're buried with Him through baptism into death. Paul is repeating words over and over again. Whenever you see words or ideas repeated, that means we need to pay attention. When we see ideas repeated or concepts, we need to pay attention. Here we find there's a lot going on at baptism. Number one, our sins are forgiven. That just shouts out from Scripture. Our sins are forgiven, but that's just the beginning of what's going on at baptism. Here we find that there's a death of part of us that needs to die. It says we were baptized into His death. In fact, it says we are buried with Him. Christ was buried in a tomb and then rose to life three days later. Baptism and why immersion or submersion in water is so important? Because baptism symbolizes a burial. Where not only do you go to baptism for forgiveness, you go to baptism to die. Part of you is buried there, literally in the water, and not to come back to life again. Baptism is a burial. Verse 5, continue now. If we have been united with Him in death like this, we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Verse 6, For we know that our old self, 
was what? Our old self was crucified. Exactly, Mary Gail. Let's just pause here. Now we get glim a glimpse into what this death is about. Because this sounds kind of morbid and creepy. <laughs> that we went there to die? What? With the burial? Ah, now verse 6 tells us what happened. Our old self was crucified. Baptism is an intentional place where you go there with faith, not only to receive the working of God, but you go there to put to death this old person that got you in trouble to start with. The person that's dead in sins, as Paul said, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. That person needs to be killed. Let's explain what that means more and more. The old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be what? Done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. For we know that Christ was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, verse 10, He died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11 now, Paul, he's approaching from multiple angles. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from what? Death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your what? Master. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is one of the powerful truths of baptism. That when we bring our body to be baptized, we're receiving forgiveness, but we're also dragging this old body there and we're putting it to death. And we're saying basically we're drowning well, here's what that old person is. That old self is simply the self, first of all, that's always done what it wanted to do. Some of you may remember the old song, I think Frank Sinatra made it, I did it my way. I don't want to sing it here, but uh, he just, I did it my way. Well, that person dies. When we do things our way, that's where we get in trouble. I just want to do what feels good. I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I have a lot of students as a high school teacher that don't like anyone telling them what to do. And those are the ones that are always in the most trouble. But in Christ, when we're baptized, that old person dies. Paul clarifies that we don't let sin reign in us any longer. Or sin is no longer our master. What that means is when we're baptized, we determine to get out of the sinning business. John says we still sin, even after we're baptized. Sin still happens. We still commit sin. 
And we need not to make any thoughts or create any thought that that's not true. But what we decide when we're baptized is we're not going to tolerate sin any longer. We're not just going to allow it to run free in our life. Whether it's a sin we've become used to all our life or an addiction or simply, hey, we're better than other people. Maybe someone's sin is gossip and always talking bad about someone, slander, selfishness, jealousy of what other people have, being envious. All those things are part of the old person that goes to baptism to die. And Paul says, we don't offer any part of ourselves to sin any longer. We're not to use our body as an instrument of unrighteousness, whether it be our tongue that articulates words that are deceptive, or again, slanderous, talking bad about other people, cursing, profanity, a humor that's not appropriate. We don't use our tongue to form words to say those things. We don't use our body parts to engage in sinful activity, whether it be sexual activity or taking us to places where you take in and ingest things or put things in our body to harm us, even though it feels good at the moment. We find that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So that's old person that's always just done what it's wanted, that's been a wild teenager even into its 40s and 50s, that person goes to baptism to die and to stay buried. I tried to think this week, what's a good illustration of this in our life? And one thing that came to mind is uh, when... Teens that have turned 18 and graduate high school decide to join the military. There's what's called basic training. They're not taken right to an air base or an army base and, hey, here's a gun, uh, here, here's, a, here's a tank, here's a plane you can fly. Everyone that joins the military has to go to basic training. Think about what they do. The first thing they do is take off the hair. I, I read online, here's what's involved, that you've got to give your cell phone up for a number of weeks. You can't go home. You learn discipline. You learn how to follow orders. Now, that, that's a pretty good illustration. I've never been part of the military, but I've met many people that have been. And basically, that old, just wild self that does what it wants, doesn't listen to orders, doesn't listen to anyone that just wants to do its own thing, learns that person no longer exists in the military. When you have lives on the line and you're dealing with weapons, you just don't do what you feel like doing in the moment. So the first thing they teach in the military is that old person of just, you do what you want, don't follow orders, that person's got to die. So all that discipline, all that training is to try to get a person to be someone who now listens to orders, follows instructions because other people are depending on you, and not someone that does your own thing and calls your own shots. And that makes sense. And that's essentially what's happening when someone is converted to Christ and happens at baptism. They're not calling the shots anymore. Look at all these statements. The old selfish crucified. Boy, could that be any clearer? That old person's nailed to the cross just as Jesus' body was nailed. Well, will a person still struggle? Absolutely. Satan has a temporary reprieve at baptism, but he will come back to the doors he's found unlocked in our lives as quickly as he can. Some as soon as the day that you were baptized. Others a week later, two days later. And he'll come back to see if you've tried locking those doors. And if you haven't locked them and you haven't taken sin seriously, he's going to come right back into all the other areas or all the areas he's always got into in your life. And everybody's weaknesses are different. 
Some it's chemicals or substances. Others it's lust of the eyes. Others it's pride of life. Arrogance, jealousy, things like that. Everybody has their own struggles. Some it's with their emotions and anger and things like that. All these things now are not uh, suddenly fixed when we're baptized, but what you determine is, I'm going to work on these things, and I'm not going to let them run me around like they used to. You're determining, I'm going to get out of the sinning business, and I'm going to take on things that I just kind of thought were funny or entertaining or made me feel good at the moment. Someone's been sleeping around, they decide, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. And I'm being, working real hard on it. I'm going to try to establish a serious relationship that's godly and healthy. I'm going to work on purity, things like that. If someone's been a liar, they turn, I'm going to not be telling lies anymore just to make people think I'm someone different or to get me out of a jam. I'm now going to work on being a truthful person and being honest. And, but that's not an overnight change. We're just determining it at baptism, we're going to start now. And you have a definitive point in your life where you said, I'm going to get out of the sinning business. And that was the day that you're baptized. It's not when you started feeling good about Jesus. It's not when you just were learning about him. It's not even when you believed he was the son of God. It's a baptism. Forgiveness came, but also the old person died. And if someone's refused to be baptized or doesn't want to be, how can that person say, well, I've, I've, the old person's dead? If you haven't put him to death in the place where... He, he or she's to be put to death. That's how important baptism is. Your self dies as far as doing it my way, me first, and sin dies. That is all the things that God's looking to get rid of that have kind of caused you a lot of problems. I can't think of any sin I'd want to hang on to because it's really doing a good thing for me. If someone's lived a life of deceit, how's that working for you? <laughs> Do you got a lot of friends? If you've let deceit run free in your life, if you've been jealous all your life, has that made people like being around you? <laughs> Sin doesn't ever help us. It only hurts us. So baptism is a place where we go to die. The last one this morning. Baptism is a place where you go to live. This is the wondrous power and beauty of baptism. There's so much going on there. Remission of sins, Old person that's caused you nothing but misery dies, but now you also have life. You probably noticed this in the reading. I'm just going to go back and just hit some key spots. Just as often as the Apostle Paul mentioned, the old person is killed or put to death at baptism, you've also been raised to walk in newness of life. Let's revisit some of these. Uh, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may what? Live a new life. Verse 5, if we've been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like this. Verse 7, we've been set free from sin. Uh, verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Verse 10, the death he died, he died to sins once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but then he adds what? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin reign uh, so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer, verse 13, your body 
or any part of yourself as sin, as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Notice here at baptism, we're not just being told we receive forgiveness and the old person dies and then just go dry off and walk away. Instead, we're being told we're raised to walk to live a new life, which is the exact opposite of our old life. For every sinful behavior we engage in, there's an exact opposite behavior that God has always wanted us to be a part of. We'll look at this more next week. I'm give you just a little preview. The book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells those who've been liars. They've been lying to their neighbor. He says, first of all, you don't do it anymore. You're a new person. You get out of the lying business. But he doesn't just say don't talk anymore. Just be quiet the rest of your life. Instead, he says, you speak truth to your neighbor that you might encourage each other. So if you've been going around telling lies about people or lying to co-workers, boss, family, spouses, things like that, you stop doing that, number one, but then, hey, you start saying things like, hey, you look great today. <laughs> or, hey, how can I help you? Or I appreciate the hard work I see you doing. Where people now enjoy being around you because you say things that are truthful, that are honest at all times. You say things that are encouraging. You look for good things to point out about people instead of saying things that are not true about people. You're doing the exact opposite. And that's what it means here to be alive to God. And he says here, present members of your body as an instrument of righteousness. So you think about our tongue as it forms words of speech. So you, you get rid of lying, you get rid of talking bad about people, gossip. But now you're a person that talks good things. You're never found in a restaurant talking bad things about people. You only find the good. You zip your lip when someone wants to try to get you involved in, in gossip. You point out what's good about your family, what's good about your coworkers, and now people like being around you. And for the right reasons. You don't want people liking being around you because they like hearing the dirt you're always spreading. You want someone to like being around you because they feel, hey, I can relax. I can hear good things that are encouraging to me. That's what God's always looked for. So we'll look at other areas next week where God is looking for this beautiful transformation. When that old person stayed buried in the water and what this new person looks like. Amen. You have these caterpillars. If you know a little bit about biology, these caterpillars are not the most beautiful things in the world in their caterpillar stage. But what do they grow into? Butterfly. Butterfly. One of the most beautiful, beautiful creatures of all of God's creation. And that's what God is looking for to do in us, to change us in a beautiful way. So baptism is, baptism is where it starts. Old person buried, new person comes out, raised to walk in newness of life. There's no greater event in our lives. The greatest things are still yet to come in Jesus' return in heaven and uh, the greatest is yet to come, but as far as the greatest in our life, it's not your birthday, not the day you retired, anything. It's a day that you're baptized. Now, you may not remember the exact day or time, but you remember when you were baptized. 
And the rest of your life is spent going back to that day and having your life constantly transformed and changed. Nathaniel, is that song going to work that we talked about? No, okay, I want to read you a song. I threw this out to Nathaniel too late. That's on me. This is a song sang growing up, and we're going to end, we're going to sing our song that Nathaniel's prepared after this song. But the song is 619 if you want to ever get a hymn book. It's entitled A New Creature or Buried with Christ. Notice the words here. Buried with Christ, my blessed Redeemer, dead to the old life of folly and sin. Satan may call, the world may entreat me, there is no voice that answers within. Dead into sin, alive through the Spirit, risen with Him from the gloom of the grave. All things are new, and I am rejoicing in His great love, His power to save. Verse 3, sin hath no more its cruel dominion. Walking in newness of life, I am free. Glorious life of Christ, my Redeemer, which he so richly shareth with me. And then the chorus, and we're finished. Dead to the world, to voices that call me. Living anew, obedient but free. Dead to the joys that once did enthrall me, yet tis not I. Christ liveth in me. What a beautiful song. Beautiful. 619, a new creature, ancient hymn with powerful modern meaning. May we live out its truths uh, today and in the days to come. Let's stand and sing the song that Nathaniel's prepared.